Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm quite sure you wouldn't either. So, let's take a look at today's topic. I've been reading a lot in the paper. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of inflammatory stuff going on. Should the cops do this? Should the cops not do this? And it, we've all seen it. We've all read it. And in the meantime, I'm working with quite a few agencies and, and, and looking at data and, and trying to help them out. And one of the things that agencies are telling me is increasing is DUI. And I said, well, why do you think you're seeing an increase in DUI? I said, well, you know, it, 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 it's probably because our state was in lockdown for COVID and, and now it, you know, either is lessening up and people are thinking, hey, it's all good. Let's go party. Or, or it is indeed, um, you know, an open state now. And uh, many of them, their belief was, therefore, people have been locked, locked down in their houses and now they're going to go out and party and we're seeing an uptick in that where we had seen a, a decrease before obviously because people weren't you know going out there were curfews and, and, and things like that and so I'm, as I'm speaking to them about it a couple of them brought up to me hey you know we get a lot of flack anyway on our DUI enforcement or DUI checkpoints and and you know any suggestions on how we do that in the proper way so that we don't get even more flack in in the climate of what's going on today where cops can't seem to do anything good. So, yeah, actually there is. It, it, it's not an easy topic. You, you think it is. Traffic should be an easy topic, right? I mean, you, you see an infraction, you pull them over, you write a ticket. Well, there's a lot more to it. There's a whole lot more to it than that. So first, what I wanted to do is I want to go back and I want to talk about some statistics. We all know these things, but I think it's important to say them again as to how important the, the tactic and the, um, the, the goal we're about to talk about here really is. Um, according to MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, on, on average, two to three people uh, two in three people, I'm sorry, will be involved in a drunk driving crash in their lifetime. Two in three. According to NHTSA, National Highway Traffic and uh, Safety Administration, every day, almost 30 people in the United States dry, die in drunk driving crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. These deaths have fallen by a third in the last three decades. However, so, so that's fallen <laughs> but however, drunk driving crashes claim more than 10,000 lives a year. If you want to take money into account in 2010, the most recent year where that kind of data is available completely, 
DUI deaths and damages contributed to a cost of $44 billion a year. So we all know this is extremely serious. But why do you think they were bringing up the the lashback on something like traffic? And I thought about that. I was like, well, let, let me look into that. I mean, sure. Uh, you know, if I look back at, at my time in policing, most of the complaints on patrol were, uh, I, I wasn't speeding. I wasn't going that fast. I wasn't this, or I didn't run that stop sign or, you know, a lot of them are on traffic, but, but why are we so worried about it globally? And I started looking around and reading articles and sure enough, here we go. You know, I, I, I find an, an article. Okay. And, and in this article, it literally talked about, we don't need cops to enforce traffic laws. So there's a couple articles, as a matter of fact, that I particularly peeled out. And one of these talks about, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't need cops for traffic. No, let's, let's get rid of that. You know, we can just use um, speed cameras and red light cameras and we don't, that's it. We're done. Okay, running red lights and speeding are, are extremely important. Um, very important. And, and I'm not going to get into the craziness today on, on, on the just how weird red light camera arguments are and speed camera arguments are. And that goes into a, it, it goes down the rabbit hole, Alice. I mean, believe me, there are all kinds of arguments for both. We won't get into that today. But what I will say is, putting a period on the end of that, as if that is it for traffic, kind of struck me. Like, the, does the person who wrote this article and the group they write for truly believe that that's all it is? Speeding tickets and running red lights? Mm, that's, that's interesting. So then I found an even better one. There's, a, there's an agency who shall remain nameless, but feel free to Google it, uh, that is in, uh, in California. Uh, it, this got all the way to their city council and they want to completely take traffic patrol away from the police. Now, let me put a pin in this real quick. Um, I was speaking to a couple of friends of mine, uh, you know, one of which, you know, does not frankly hold the same views I do. And that's why I like him. I mean, I, I love talking to people who do not think the way I do. I think we all should. You know, you know I've said that many times before. We should listen to everybody and go, hmm, I, I didn't think about it that way. But one of the things that these people were talking about was when I first brought this up was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah traffic. Yeah, I just don't need to. Uh, oh, yeah, that, um, you know, my, my registration's out or my, ta my taillight's out. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, we please don't need to deal with that. And then I asked the question, but when does it stop? and become enforcement, something like a DUI, something like a reckless driving. I mean, what, what do we do there? Now, now this police department, uh, or city rather, did indeed mention that, well, they really have no idea how this will work out, but they believe it will be some type of citizen patrol unit. Um, yeah, uh, blue light sirens, the whole nine yards. Uh, unarmed, very clearly, unarmed patrol unit uh, that will um, uh, work together uh, with police if needed, but they will be the main traffic enforcement. And uh, one of the um, one of the city council people actually said, um, "Well, you know, if the if the um, if the pullover goes bad, then you know, then they can call the cops." Uh, if they can, but okay. So we're not getting into that today. But the point is, you know, 
really traffic traffic traffic's under uh, under fire okay well if traffic's under fire then then we really need to talk about this very clearly so let's get back to dui enforcement dui enforcement's one of those that can really 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 um cause issue and why is that because there are uh, the the proper ways <laughs> to do this and there are the improper ways to do this and the improper ways to do this can certainly get you in in a lot of in a lot of trouble so let's talk about it for a minute if we're just pulling folks over and and, and granted th this varies by state so don't be listening to this and go not in my state there dj okay listen now maybe i'm not talking about wyoming but in general okay by the way, Wyoming was just a suggestion. But in general, we're, we're just talking about how does this normally work. So you're on patrol, and, and this is for my non-cop listeners. So you're on patrol, and you see somebody that uh, is not what we call maintaining lane. Not necessarily swerving. Swerving is different. Swerving is like using all of the street, regardless of side. Just, you know, just making S-curves all throughout curb to curb. That, that's not what we're talking about. What we call failure to maintain lane. Now, in, in Georgia, failure to maintain lane is not necessarily using all of your lane, you know, between the white and, and yellow stripes. Uh, it, it means like you're crossing each of those lines. You, you keep crossing the line. What do you do in there? Now, it's interesting because I've seen the... the uh, the movement of cellular phones in that, right? Where, <laughs> where you could be doing that because you're texting or whatever. However, let's say we're on patrol. It's about two 30 in the morning and we, we see this vehicle and, uh, let's, let's say that they do what we in Georgia affectionately call a California roll, uh, which is not really a stop at a stop sign. It's just kind of like a slowed down, but I just kept on going. Okay. Well, you know, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but you're going to keep your eyes on that vehicle. You happen to be traveling in the same direction. Now, all of a sudden, it's having a little bit of a difficulty uh, tracking a straight line. Crosses the line a couple times and you pull them over. You walk up to the car. Um, you you smell an immediate odor of alcohol. And there, bing, there you go, right? We're, we're learning this in DUI enforcement. Ah, odor of alcohol. You speak to the driver. The driver has a noticed noticeable slur about their speech bing there's number two and and as they hand you that you where are you coming from sir oh no, home coming from home yeah where are you going uh home so you came from home to go to home yes indeed yeah that's right yeah mm, just taking a drive yeah 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 okay and, you know, long story short you're getting you know because of the articulable suspicion of the slurring and the this and the that, and maybe I can't tell you how many times I've pulled people over with a liquor bottle in the floorboard. Um, you know, you pull them out, you start to do your sobriety tests. Now, there's a difference between a regular officer doing a sobriety test, just enough reasonable suspicion to go to jail for DUI and, you know, test at the jail. Uh, blood, breath, you know, things like this. Typically, we like breath, but nonetheless, and a DUI enforcement officer who is certified in all of the ways of DUI. That, that's when you get out and you start seeing the, uh, you know, the, the field sobriety tests to a higher level. And so, so it, it gets really complicated. Funny story. Um, officer that worked with me many, many, many years ago. Um, he has, he has passed away now. But one of my favorite stories about him is he really wanted to be a DUI enforcement officer. 
and he uh, he was going through the DUI enforcement officer uh, certification, right? He was just, bam. That doesn't mean you, an officer can't take you to jail for DUI if they're not certified, by the way. It just means the certified officers have a higher level of testing uh, that, that is, uh, you know, uh, held up better in court, uh, sustains better uh, on the field, things like that. But he really wanted to get that. He had a heart for it. Well, while he was going through that, uh, he would he would pull these folks over, and you know they they were they would be drunk. Um, but he would he had this little pin light. Those of you in law enforcement know it. They sell it in most law enforcement law enforcement gear stores. It, it it's literally an ink pen, goes in your pocket of your shirt, but at the end of it is a light, and it's blue, and and you activate the light by just simply just touching lightly on the pin in one spot, and bam, there it is. So he would take the this pin out, and he would say, "All right, sir. Um, you know, I did. You know, I, I I have reason to believe that you're driving drunk. Oh, I'm not drunk to d- driving drunk to the duck or to whatever you said. No, not me. Okay, tell you what, I'm going to ask you some questions. I need you to answer those questions. And this was all part of sobriety, where you're just simply asking logical questions, right? Um, you know, to to garner their mental state, but Buck, as we called him, would, would throw an extra into this. And Buck would say, this, this uh, device here, sir, uh, it, it detects the uh, odor of alcohol. And, and so if there's an odor of alcohol, uh, this device will light up. Now, granted, Buck has already detected an odor of alcohol. But what does a drunk driver say? I haven't been drinking. I, I got no odor of alcohol on me at all, right? Okay. Uh, you know, you can't convince him. You can't, you can't argue with a drunk. And so he would hold up this little device, which we knew it was a pen, but they thought it was a device. And he would say, what is your name, sir? And the man would say his name and, and, and Buck would very lightly press on the button, which the light would come on. And I watched this the first time. I remember thinking, my God, this guy has lost his mind, right? This is not going to work. What was he just playing with these people? Even thought myself, he's just poking with these people. No, I noticed he did it mostly on, on people who were agitated or belligerent that they were being accused of being drunk, okay? And what I realized years later was, was Buck was actually de-escalating the situation. Let me explain. So this guy's saying his name. Buck holds up the pen. Man speaks. Buck lights up the pen. Again, you can't tell Buck has done anything to the pen. It lights up. Nine times out of ten, they would go, oh, right, yeah, you got me. I guess I was drinking too much, and that thing doesn't lie. Now you say, well, he he lied to that man. He did. He lied to that man. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, However, um, you know, we won't get into the Supreme Court's assertion that, you know, you don't necessarily have to tell the truth the whole time as you're interviewing a suspect because they are lying to you as well. But nonetheless, it de-escalated the situation. Okay, you got me. All right. Yep. You got me. And it, it, it made the situation a bit better. And it was kind of genius to me, whether you like it or not. I mean, it was genius to me. Um, and, and again, Buck never put anybody in jail for the light. Okay. Uh, he put him in jail for the rest of the sobriety tests and the reasonable suspicion. And frankly, going to the jail, blowing in a little box and, you know, registering from that but but he used it as a tool 
And so I thought, well, what other tools can we possibly have to help out with DUI enforcement? Now, uh, you know, just driving around is one thing, right? Driving around, coming upon this, that's what we just talked about. But I remember working with my local sheriff's department years ago. Uh, the sheriff uh, had just been reelected at the time, uh, and he was really big on DUI checkpoints. And I know, you get into DUI checkpoints, you're just, you can't do that. It's a violation of Fourth Amendment, and it's just ba-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, new, uh, according to our friends at the Supreme Court, and, and let's talk about that for just a minute, uh, it, is, it is not illegal for a couple of things. Uh, one of the things it's not illegal for is if it, there's a reason behind it. Why are you doing it in this particular location? Two, all officers are uh, uniformed, uh, lights going, uh, regulated, if you will. Three, uh, it's for a certain amount of time and not all the time. Okay? No, it doesn't say what time, by the way. It's just it's for a certain amount of time. Four, must be approved by a supervisor under reasoning. Okay? So you just can't have your guys on shift go, hey, let's do a DUI checkpoint, right? Unless, of course, one of those guys on shift happens to be a sergeant, then I guess you could articulate it. But it really needs to be from a higher point. Three, everybody has to be stopped. Everybody. You can't just wave people through because they, they don't look drunk. Everybody must be spoken to, okay? Matter of fact, I see a lot of agencies that don't even call them DUI checkpoints anymore. They call them license checks or safety checks. Uh, used to call them roadblocks. Roadblock was too ugly. So uh, we're having a safety check here today, sir. Uh, may I see your license? Very good. Uh, have you been uh, drinking tonight at all? I mean, that, okay, fine. But there are particular ways this can be done where the United States Supreme Court has upheld that it is not a violation in any way uh, of any type of, uh, you know, Fourth Amendment right or, or anything like that. Because Fourth Amendment right, by the way, allows only searches and seizures that are reasonable Right. So, but we're not searching and seizing. Uh, at that point, we're just doing a, a you know, a, de a detention, if you will. Right. Anytime a police officer stops you, it is a temporary detention. Uh, different from an arrest. We won't get into that. But nonetheless, okay. You know, the court even said, I, want, I think it's important to say, the court even said, that keeping impaired drivers off the road generally outweighs the inconvenience and intrusion to motorists, okay? So we, we have to be careful. We have to follow that. There are state laws and regulations around that as well. But so how do we make this, how do we have some of these and, and make them so that, again, in, in today's climate where pinning on a badge seems to make you evil, um, where, where do we, where do we go to get the right information? How do we get the right information to come back and say, uh, my DUIs are up my, my, and I know this because of my accidents, my officers granted aren't pulling over a lot of people right now. Uh, let, let's just say, cause I've heard a lot of agencies say that uh, for fear of uh, transmission of the virus. Right. I mean, you don't you're not going to do as much traffic patrol as you did before, but DUI accidents are up in many agencies. Uh, and, and so what do we do? Okay, this is what you do. You're going to mask up, <laughs> number one. You're going to glove up. You're going to go through a lot of gloves during that checkpoint. But how do you validate that that's the right spot? Let's go back to data, children. My producers, I, I need like, a, I don't know, like a Mr. Rogers 
trolley sound when I every time I mention going back to data. Ding, ding. Let's go back to our data. Let's take our data. Let's look at those crashes. Where are they? When are they? How often are they? What are the patterns behind them? Try to make a visual if you can, depending on what you have. Uh, you know, most CAD RMS have mapping or, you know, mapping pieces, whatever. Uh, shoot, back in the day, I literally dropped them on, on a Google uh, pin map, which is free. Just grab the address, drop the pin, make it a color, depending on what's going on, and you will see the patterns on the map. Yay. You can still do that today. Okay. <clears throat> It's very rudimentary. You're not going to get any extra data from it, but it's a great map. Nonetheless, look at things like that. Where are most of these occurring? When are they occurring? Okay. What is the severity of them? This is what I did with my sheriff's department. And I said, okay, let, let's, let's first create these visuals. And we created the visual and, and the visual was very clear. Okay. There were three, we could have made it four, but there were three main areas where there were DUI accidents. Okay at or near major intersections. And they said, okay, that's where it is. We need, we need to patrol right there. And I said, mm, hold on. Let's look at this further. Generally, they probably weren't coming from their home because we looked at the time. And the time was between 2.30 and 3 a.m. Okay, 2.30 and 3 a.m. And, and regardless of locations, big county, by the way, uh, you know, 250 some odd square miles, uh, you know, considered Metro Atlanta. There's a lot of people going through. We have Interstate 20 going through us. We have Highway 36, Georgia Highway 36 going north to south. I mean, it's, there's a lot of traffic going through. <clears throat> but it came down to these three intersections. And again, there was a fourth, but we were kind of watching that. And these three, amazingly, all had about the same time. Now, okay, I'm a data guy, right? I'm an intelligence guy, but I like starting with my data and I don't believe in coincidence of any type at all. So, okay. If they're completely different locations of the, of, of, of the county and it's a large county, how are they all between two 30 and three in the morning? Now let's pause for a minute. What day? Well, at this particular point, it didn't really matter what day it was kind of spread across, uh, the, the week. Okay. <clears throat> I guess this county is equal opportunity drinkers, but nonetheless, it was spread across the week. But do look at that. Look at the day. Look at the time. Look at the correlation. See what's going on. We looked at it. Okay. Uh, are these validated and verified DUI accidents? Yes, indeed they are. Do we have an issue with, uh, you know, devil's advocate here. Do we have an issue with the, with the signal, the traffic signal? No, we do not. Okay. No issue with the traffic signal. Yes. Are there an inordinate amount of accidents at these intersections at any other time? In other words, are these intersections just prone for accidents? Sometimes we have those, uh, whether that be poor design, whether that be too much traffic, whether whatever. We have those. Uh, a lot of those are being taken out in my state and being replaced with these roundabouts, right? <clears throat> but nonetheless, was that part of it? No, no, that was not part of it. We do have accidents in that location, but they are not to uh, that particular rate uh, any other time than that time. Okay. So we can consistently say with just that information, and by the way, according to my state and, and the United States Supreme Court, we've already gone in excess of the data needed to secure a DUI sobriety checkpoint. Okay. 
but we're going to go further. Why? Because it's me. And so we went further. <clears throat> and I said to them, okay, uh, 2.30 and 3, yes. Do we have any outside the 2.30 and 3? Uh, well, yeah, we got a few outliers here. Most of them are 2.30 and 3, but we do have some that are as late as 4, uh, even close to 5. Ooh, okay, 4 close to 5. Let's, let's watch those for a minute. Now, let's look at this on a map. Bam, there's the map. All right. Curious, where are our drinking establishments? Now, a uh, little, little funny here. <clears throat> My county has no bars. My city has no bars. By the way, I don't live in Atlanta. I live outside of Atlanta. This is a really proud thing that, that my city and county will say. We have no bars. However, we do have some <clears throat> restaurants that serve like chicken wings and potato slices and a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Follow me. But we have no bars. Okay. Fine. But I went back and I said, well, where are they? Where are these establishments? Well, what are you saying? Well, listen, my, my gut here is this is people leaving these establishments, not blaming the establishment at all, just trying to find a pattern of travel. In other words, if you're going to set up a checkpoint, okay, where's the best place to set up the checkpoint? Where's the most common place for these people to come? Frankly, during the DUI accidents, it wasn't asked, hey, were you at this bar? Oh, sorry, not a bar. Were you at this questionable restaurant? No, nobody asked that. <laughs> it's just, where are you coming from? Uh, uh, buddy's house. Because you know, I'm not drunk. Sure. So we went back and we took a look at that. And indeed, we found some patternization of some other accidents. Not as heavy as those. But you could kind of walk those accidents back on the map all the way to, you know, an assumed group of establishments. A core area where these people. So we have three areas of wreck that are high in the county, and we have three areas of establishments that we believe they could have come from. Why are the establishments important? Let me go back to that. Again, direction of travel. You start doing one of these DUI checkpoints, a couple of your people get snagged, other people in the line, they're going to get on the phone. Hey, don't come this way. There's a checkpoint. Go this other way. Okay, why is that important? We'll get to that in a minute. So hold on to that. The other thing was, what about these people that were getting pulled over at, at as late as 5 a.m.? Well, what's that? Do we believe they're also coming from these establishments? Could be. Is it important to work with these establishments in and around your state laws? Yes. Things like last call. Depending on where you live, last call may be, well, some states it's midnight, uh, some states it's 2 a.m., okay, uh, or whatever it may be, but are they, are they abiding by last call, okay? If you've got a bunch of people coming from an establishment that are getting in DUI accidents at 5 a.m., okay, and the establishment shut down at 2.30 supposedly, where were they in the rest of the hours? Sitting in a parking lot sobering up? Perhaps. Perhaps. But it's just important to work with those those establishments, not bars, uh, those establishments to make sure that they're following the state laws to help with this. Many state laws actually go back and, and, and put the onus on the bartender 
and the owner of the establishment to cut off when necessary, right? You've had too much. You're done. Cut you off. So they, they, they need to take that into account. But so now let's go back to our data. So <clears throat> we're going to do our checkpoint. Okay. We're going to do our checkpoint. Like the law says, it's going to be a certain amount of time. We'd usually do an hour, maybe two. If there was a lot of traffic again, we're, we are not doing this in an overly inordinate amount of time, but what time are we going to do it? Well, most crashes happen between, you know, two to two thirty and three. Okay, guess when we're doing this, guys? Wake up. You're coming in. We're doing it between those hours, okay? And we're going to start checking these. And we're going to do it in all three at the same time. That's really important. I'll explain why. If you do it in all three at the same time, you can then equally, better equally understand the effectiveness of your sobriety checkpoints. Why? Because you're going to see displacement and disbursement. What is that? Displacement. If I can speak today. Displacement and dispersion are when you enforce in a particular area. Okay. And then that enforcement causes other actions to happen away from that. Think about, um, I don't know, Play-Doh. Let's do a Play-Doh. Right, my son. Right, let's do Play-Doh. Get a get a blob of Play-Doh in your hand and squeeze it. Okay, you're putting pressure, and I don't mean physical force with people, but follow me. You're 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 putting pressure on an area. You are enforcing the law in an area heavily. However, where's the rest of the Play-Doh go? Out your fingers on the floor. You know that some of it goes. I'm not. I'm. Mm, I'm not about this. I'm going somewhere else. It's kind of like crime. Crime does the same thing. Criminals see that there's enforcement in an area and they go, that's too hot going somewhere else. So you do your checkpoints. You do them legally. You're, you're, you've got your lights. You've got your flares. You've got your cones. Uh, nobody's, uh, you're not pulling everybody uh, to the side. Everybody's getting stopped, but not everybody's going to the side. You've got your, you your top-notch folks doing your DUI chats, right? I mean, you, you, you're getting it done, right? And, and this is really important. You let the citizens know, okay, this is a DY sobriety checkpoint. We take this very seriously in our county. Uh, we we want to protect the, the lives of our citizens, those who might be driving drunk, as well as those who are not affected by that. We've had a lot of accidents in this particular uh, intersection over some time or let, as a result of DUI, and we're going to be enforcing this for a while. I appreciate you uh, speaking to us today. It doesn't take long, Okay. And that starts a conversation. And guess what that conversation does? It starts that um, uh, breath. Now, okay, I did talk to one who said, how am I going to do that if my officers are masked up? They can't smell. Well, that, that's, that's, not an, that's not a crazy statement. I was just talking to a fireman friend of mine the other day who said they got called to a gas leak and got there and by, by you know status, they're masked up. And the person said, oh, it's a gas leak. And they said, well, we can't have a gas leak. There's no gas in this building. And so they checked everything and they left. She called back. I still got a gas leak. Still got a gas leak. They go over and one of them dropped his mask down and he could then smell. Of course, they were having, they've got the big mask. He could then smell something burning. And it happened to actually be the compressor on her refrigerator was about to catch on fire. Hmm. Well, that bothered them. So yes, yes. In, in this era, <clears throat> that could be difficult. But let's face it. 
we pulled over some drunks that are so drunk, okay, that you didn't need to smell it. Smell is one of those things that you get from the odor of the breath. But sometimes there's no odor, right? Sometimes it's a slurring of the speech and the rather. Because you're going to do the totality here. You're going to have to work with that. So you do your DUI checkpoint. Um, you, you arrest who you're going to arrest. And, 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 and you watch your data after that. I'm not saying you do it the next night, the next night, the next night. That's up to you. But I'd rather you do three. At the same time, <clears throat> watch your data. Here's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that over the next few nights, okay, accidents in that intersection are going to drop. Maybe even weeks are going to drop. However, it's going to fade, okay? It's going to fade over time, but you're going to see those accidents have moved to another location. Why? Because you need to follow that, right? Because they go, oh, that was, hey, remember last time, you know, Bob got pulled over over there. They, that, that's where they do those. Right, we we all say that that city's got a speed trap. Be careful through there or whatever. Right, they're going to move their pattern home, and you're going to have to watch that data. But kind of like playing whack a mole, we're going to move our pattern related to that pattern. <clears throat> but let me give you one more enforcement point to think about. We talked about the pattern of travel from the suspected location or locations. When you're not doing these sobriety checkpoints, where do you think your active DUI patrol needs to be? That's right. From wherever the wreck location was, tracing back toward where you think those people came from. And hey, by the way, there's nothing illegal to ask them where they came from. Maybe start collecting that data if you can. They might not tell you. It might be a friend's house. They might lie, but the data is, is not inconsequential. So your active patrol should be on that strip. Now, I am not a guy who wants to park outside a bar and pull over everybody who just barely makes it out of the parking lot and, oh, you're swerving. Oh, yeah, I have no bars. But nonetheless, that's not what we're going to do. That's not what I'm teaching, okay? That, that, it's, that's not it. It's not the old Venus flytrap. As soon as you move, we're going to grab you. Okay. That, that makes people stop going to that establishment. And you go, well, they were drunk. Well, good for you then. But how many did you pull over that weren't? Right? They just had one or none with a friend. Or they were the designated driver. But people will stop going to that establishment because you're focusing on that. And then, then the establishment's going to complain to the city and the city's going to complain to your chief. And it's just a mess. Listen, there's plenty of landing space outside of that. I'm also not saying let a drunk driver drive. But what I am saying is, you know, we have to give people the assumption at least of the innocence before proven guilty. We've got to, got to get some, Got to get some space under their tires before we start pulling them over. But what I am saying is, in that space between the accident, the DUI accident, and where you think this may have occurred, and by the way, go in small chunks. I know, I know, I got people listening to me right now going, my God, that's all over the city. That could be anywhere. True, true. But go in small chunks. You got a lot of DUI accident spots. Go where the most are happening over time. Not the most in a spike, but the most overtime consistently, okay? At that time. And you patrol that spans, right? This isn't that difficult. 
The data, however, might be a little bit out of the range. It's not difficult because you do this all the time. You know what you're doing. But the data, you might go, I don't know how to get that. It's not hard. Even get into your CAD and RMS. Get into your traffic, guys. Where are most of these? But back it up with data. Back it up with data. Make a report. We used to have a, 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 a request form, a sobriety checkpoint request form that we filled out, and there was reasoning behind it. Now, there, it was, it, frankly, it wasn't as tight as I would have liked it to be now where I am because uh, it was more like, why do you want to do this? Uh, would like to stop DUIs. Oh, excellent job. No, th- that's great, but what is the data behind it? The data shows that. Even take a snapshot of the data and show it. Why? Because. If we had learned anything through crazy 2020, murder hornets and, and, and rats having the bubonic plague and COVID and, and, and the cops are rotten, it is Murphy of Murphy's Law. And, and folks, I'm not talking about the old TV show. Uh, what I'm saying is Murphy's Law exists. Whatever can go wrong will. <laughs> and, and so what do you do? to try to prevent that. And what do you do? You document with data. Document. We can make an impact, as my county made an impact when we planned that out in DUI accidents. Did they move? Yes. Did they move consistently? Yes. Here's the funny part. They went back to the original pattern. Why? Well, I'll answer that by saying this. Remember my buddy Buck and his pin light? Would any of you fall for that if you weren't drunk? Drunks don't have much capacity to come up with new ideas. So they're going to go back to that pattern. And you can continue working that pattern. Eventually, what's going to happen? Going to get people off the road that need to be off the road. Indeed. You're going to set a, um, a precedent in your city or your county. We we don't mess with DUI. Okay? And, yes, I'm going to say it. Those who want to go to an establishment to get blitz drunk and drive home are probably not going to go to your establishments anymore. Just warning you here, we saw that as an effect. We saw more people going to the next city to do that. This isn't going to be popular, but I'm going to say it. That's just collateral damage. If if somebody in your city wants to get blitz drunk in one of your establishments and drive home and you keep doing this and they get arrested, their friends get arrested, and they're like, man, this is too much heat. I'm going to the next city. You know what? Then go to the next city. There's plenty of people that are going to go to that establishment who are not going to drive drunk, and those are the people we want in our city. So just a few thoughts today opining about DUI and cities that decided the police shouldn't have traffic anymore. Might dig into that later on another <laughs> another podcast, but I decided to give a little bit back more to education this week. And now it's time for one of my favorite spots because I found some good ones today. Crazy but true police blotter stories. Let's start in Tom's River, New Jersey. Tom's River, New Jersey. Hello, Tom's River. Some friends up there. 
So this guy named Christopher Miller robbed a Stride Right shoe store. Now we could stop right there. For those of you who don't know, uh, who don't have kids, Stride Right shoe store. Okay, it's a children's shoe store, and they only sell Stride Right or Stride Right brands. It's not a Nike store. It's not a Foot Locker. And so these are for like for toddlers, but they're really expensive. But I thought to myself while I read that, who, who robs a Stride Right shoe store? Where kids are going to probably be in it. Anyway, I digress. He did that in 1999. He got caught. He served 15 years in state prison. Wow. Uh, mental note, folks, don't rob a children's shoe store in New Jersey. You're going to get 15 years. Huh. Okay. Good to know. Police say he became a free man on Friday, this recent Friday, celebrated by catching a bus to Tom's River. Did he live in Tom's River? Nope. But he went to Tom's River. And guess what he did as soon as after he got off the bus? Come on. Come on. You guess. That's right. He robbed the same Stride Right shoe store that he had robbed 15 years ago. However, people are different now than they were 15 years ago. And let's just say that the two employees were so slow in handing over the cash that the robber became agitated and decided to grab the entire register and flee on foot. Uh-huh. That didn't go well for him, especially since he uh, tried to get their keys to their vehicles. They refused. They told him no. Mm-hmm. They just said, nope, not doing it. Police canine unit tracked him down very quickly and recovered the whopping $389 that was in the register. Yeah, yeah. He's being held on a $100,000 bond. Oddly enough, you go, well, where in the world is this guy from? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Police have no idea why he went back to Tom's River. Maybe he just really liked his cellmate. I, I don't know. But there you go. How you like this one? We were talking about DUIs today. We're going to talk about one. This guy was pulled over. Glassy eyes, slurred speech, boozy smell. Blew over the legal limit. Okay? So this guy is drunk. 61-year-old Michael Moore. Not that Michael Moore. Not the documentary guy. I don't think. Anyway, uh, probably couldn't say much to help this case, but here was his excuse. Love this. He said, the officer said, that he told him that his wife had been drinking too much, so he decided to go out and drive it off. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. So, so he was drinking too much and he went out to drive it off. Okay, anyway, we'll move on. Two Nashville robbers had the misfortune to try to steal a purse in a shopping center parking lot just as, and I love this name, so I'm going to say it, Franco Scaramuza. Let's just, let's just bathe in that for a minute. Franco Scaramuza. Why is that important? It's going to be really important in a minute. Just get, get what you think. Like, let's do a movie here. Franco Scaramuza, right? Yeah, yeah, get that in your head. Okay, well, they were trying to steal this lady's purse. Franco Scaramuza pulls in. Why is that a problem? Well, because Franco Scaramuza is a fencing coach. That's right, sword fighting coach, who had just left practice and still had his equipment on him. <laughs> he jumped out of the car, and this is his quote, I charged toward them, holding my epee up high. That's the 
with the sword, defensive foil. Epe up high, you know, yelling at them. I kept yelling throughout the entire thing. They completely panicked and dropped everything they stole and ran off. No joke. <laughs> Police caught the suspect shortly thereafter and charged him with robbery. But now you see what I'm saying. Come on, people. Can, okay, so so the, the lady who was getting her purse stolen, imagine this story. Well, these guys are trying to steal my purse, right? And and this guy, uh, his name was Franco Scaramuza. He drove in, he jumped out, he grabbed this uh, sword, and he charged at them as if he was going to stab them and yelled at them, and they just ran away. Nobody's going to believe that. But it, that's awesome. Thank you, Franco. And lastly, always save the best to last, I think. A luckless thief in London was caught red-handed, uh, but let's call it green. Well, you see, he broke into a police decoy car, and the folks in London are getting really, really, really... Uh, they're just coming up with some great stuff, okay? This entire car was equipped with a die trap. Now, not a die trap like you see at banks. You know, in the little bag where it goes off and everything's purple and you can't get it out and it's visibly purple. Now, th this, one's, this one's different. So this 28-year-old stole a laptop and other items from the car. He was arrested when the system alerted police to the theft, okay, and was convicted when police produced photos of his face glowing bright green under UV light. Yeah, yeah, get this. So they've decided to do this a little differently. Not the big purple stuff that you can see because they realized people were hiding when that happened, because that stuff doesn't come off. It's got to wear off over time, and it can take a month or so, right? So this stuff is a mist that as soon as you get in the car and you sit down, the mist is activated. Might not even realize it's going on. Then the police under investigation and you, okay, we'll watch this and we've got video and oh, we think that's the guy. Uh, did you break in this car? No, I didn't. Boop, ultraviolet light and a flashlight. Look at there, your face is green. And by the way, please Google that because, um, and I should start posting these pictures perhaps, but this dude's face looks like something out of an alien movie. I mean, it's glowing green heavily. By the way, police in London are in the process of testing three separate devices that spray these thieves with a fine mist uh, that can link them to specific incidents through a combination of chemicals as well as turning them green. Wow. You gotta love that. All right, folks, look. As we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with, or maybe you do agree with me, and even have a topic you'd like me to cover. Please keep sending me those topics and funny stories. If you do have a funny story or a topic, I encourage you to email me at offthebeat at MotorolaSolutions.com. Give me your thoughts and ideas, and check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore offthebeat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.